tonight's Bible reading comes from Romans 8, uh, verses 18 to 27. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I did say it's uh, good to be together with God's people, just listening to those songs and singing along. And uh, it lifted me up, it got me uh, closer to God and uh, focusing on God's love. So I just want to ask if you, the church could put their hands together to thank uh, these three young women who've been uh, leading us tonight. Thanks, guys. Uh, in the middle of the holidays, they were here nice and early and rehearsing and wanting to ensure that God was glorified in what we did together. Friends, uh, last week uh, I started uh, in 2 Peter, and I was going to do the second half of 2 Peter, but decided during the week with a number of uh, increasing COVID cases, a number of deaths now four. Uh, this week uh, with people in our church, that uh, it might be good to go to Romans 8, where I've called the sermon, The Future Hope Beyond Groaning, Uh, because at times like this, there's a fair bit of groaning, a fair bit of sadness and uh, uh, in this uh, this world as well as in our own lives. But one of the things that happens uh, in a time like this is that we realize we live in a fallen and a broken world, don't we? Sometimes life seems to be beautiful, you're on a beach, you're enjoying it, it's like a long holiday, and then you face a death or you face an illness or you face a a struggle at school or university or at work or something like that or in your family and you see what's happening around the world and you realize that the world is pretty messed up. And uh, we had a believer die of Parkinson's this week, one of a heart attack and uh, one uh, who uh, succumbed to COVID just this afternoon. And, um, and the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It says, Apostle Paul says, as I look around me and all the things that have happened to me, and for Paul it was uh, persecution more than just the illnesses. I think he's talking about specifically persecution for him. Uh, he says, although sufferings don't compare to the glory that will be revealed. There's something great coming, something glorious and beautiful coming, that even though I've gone through all these difficulties, it doesn't matter. Let me give you an illustration of this. He says, uh, this is what his life has been like. I wonder if it's like yours. I've been flogged severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Imagine the whip, 40 times minus one. 39, so you don't kill him. That's the aim. 
Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, at sea, from false believers. Says anywhere I've gone, I've suffered terribly. That I've laboured and toiled, have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And he says, despite all of that, my sufferings, you know what's coming? The glory. You know what's coming when you go to meet Jesus? When you're transformed into the image of Jesus, you become like him. When there are new heavens and a new new earth, there's a sense of perfection and a glory. He says, even all of that doesn't matter. You know, he says in Galatians 6, finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Here's a man who suffered terribly, yet could look forward to what was to come. So how good must that glory be? Now, there are other believers through the ages who have suffered even uh, worse than Paul. People are being raped and tortured and massacred on account of the name of Jesus in places like Nigeria, Myanmar, North Korea. A few years ago, I read the story of a 15-year-old boy hacked to death in Indonesia simply because he was a follower of Jesus and people didn't like it, so they killed him. Yet Paul says... There is no comparison with the future glory. And one of the things you realize as Christians, the Bible says that suffering is a pathway to glory. Listen to this in verse 17, just the verse before this reading. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Share in his sufferings, share in his glory. So why do we groan? Why do we get upset? Firstly, the creation is groaning, the Bible says here. But also the creation is groaning, creation's having a tough time, but there's also hope to come. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, that's God, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And you know, this is the picture. It says creation is, picture it as a person craning its neck, stretching forward, eagerly waiting for the children of God to come into their true glory. So if you're a Christian... God is saying through the Apostle Paul that the creation is looking forward to the day when Jesus comes back, you are transformed into the image of Jesus, you are perfected, and creation then gets perfected as well. We get perfected, then all of creation is perfected. And it's like this, I can't wait, I'm looking for it. One person said, uh, put it this way, the whole creation is on tiptoe, so here I am, the creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. Creation is in its state because it is under God's judgment. In Genesis 3, in your Bibles, um, the Bible says that the world is under a curse. Just as human beings, when we rebel against God, came under a curse, the judgment of God, that also moved on to the creation itself. So the creation is under a curse, the judgment of God. So creation, uh, like us, in one sense, is alienated from the perfection of God. 
John Dixon, many of you know John Dixon, is an Australian writer and, uh, and defends the Christian faith and is in newspapers and writes many books. He puts it this way, from the DNA inside the human body to the tectonic plates under the earth's surface, the physical world now contains a measure of fr frustration and chaos. Viruses grow out of control. They do, don't they? We've just discovered that the last two years. He wrote this book many years ago, right? Viruses grow out of control. Earthquakes decimate. Planes fall from the sky. John's own father died in a plane crash in India when John was nine years of age, as he writes this. Although there is enough, more than enough beauty and order still left in the creation to remind us that the universe is no fluke, there is enough disorder evident to remind us that things are not as they should be. So we live in a broken world, a fallen world, that has been subjected to frustration, it says. It's been affected by the sin of humankind and it's under the judgment of God. It is in bondage to decay. There's a continual cycle of birth, growth, death, decomposition. It's deteriorating. And we've added to the problem, no, uh, no doubt, pollution, global warming, etc. The world is in bondage to decay, he says. It's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But the creation has a wonderful future. So as you look around what's happening around the world, uh, whether it's earthquakes, whether it's cyclones, tsunamis, or COVID, or viruses, it says it has, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So God's put it under a judgment for a period of time that the creation itself will be liberated from his bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Friends, bondage will give place to liberty, decay or corruption, to glory incorruptible. That's the Bible's picture. If we're going to share Christ's glory, creation is going to share our glory on that final day. Ken Hughes writes in his commentary on Romans, he says, many of us have pictures of our wives, that's those who have wives, after they've delivered a child, and typically... You picture the, after someone's had a baby, what do they do? Baby in the arms of mum, nice photograph, show it to people. We never get into our wallets and say, let me show you a picture of my wife groaning in labour. Isn't the agony terrific? Because if you tried that, your wife would hit you <laughs> and kick you, right? What you do is you go through the agony, and that's what, what creation is like at the moment, but in the future, there will be the joy that is to come. But it's not just creation, but we groan. The church groans and also hopes. Verses 23 to 25. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What Paul is saying is that you may be saved, right? If you have a relationship with Jesus, he's forgiven your sins, you're a child of God, but there's still more to come. I live in an aging body. Now, some of you young people, you don't think you're ever going to age, but it will happen in 40 or 50 years. <laughs> but those of us who, who were once 20 and are now 50, 40, 60, a little bit older, we realize that it just seems like that and you've aged. Not to scare you at all, right? Looking over here. <laughs> and then you start to get sore, sore backs, and you need to see a chiropractor, then the physio, then your knee doesn't work, and then something else doesn't work, and and then you might have a little cancer, then you might have a little bit of this and that and something else, and you realize that we are not yet complete. We are completing Jesus spiritually, but we are still looking forward to Jesus coming again. We, we receive a new body, a perfected body. 
So we groan because of physical frailty. Cancer, heart attack, diabetes, motor neurone disease, and ultimately death. I remember uh, hearing the story of an Anglican minister uh, whose two daughters were killed in a car accident, and his wife then died of cancer within that same week. You imagine that. Terrible suffering and groaning. And he, he gave glory to God in the midst of that. Others have lost babies in utero, or maybe soon afterwards. Fifty years ago, John Erickson Tarter went for a swim, d- dived into the water, and broke her, her back, became a quadriplegic. No wonder we groan. There have been people in hospital this week from our church and, uh, and have passed away, and their families are groaning. Lord, how long? And some of them have been saying, God, take me. God, I want to go to be with you. This life, I can't handle it anymore. My body hurts too much or my mind hurts too much. God, please take me soon. But we also groan because we struggle with our sin, not simply our bodies, that there's this ongoing tension. If you love Jesus and you seek holiness, there's this tension because you want to be more holy, but you keep failing God. You want to think right thoughts, but then you think impure thoughts. You want to be uh, compassionate to someone, and yet you are indifferent. You struggle with that, and you want to be at a place where everything is perfect. That day will come too. Romans 7, 24, Paul says, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he says, We have a hope for future glory. We wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. In other words, as Christians, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of other illnesses or deaths, we're on tiptoe waiting for our deliverance. Yes, as I said last week, we, look, uh, we live in light of the coming again of Jesus. Jesus, I want to live my life with eternal significance and purpose. I don't want to live it simply for the here and now. I want to invest my time, my gifts, my talents, my money for the things that matter for eternity. Because life can disappear very quickly. You want to do something that matters. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. C.S. Lewis is a famous writer from the past, and he put it this way, that even Christians are so focused on the here and now and the toys of this world that we don't live in light of eternity. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Mud pies in the slum, just focusing on the here and now when God has a glorious future for each one of us. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit's groan and hope. Thankfully, when we groan, sometimes you don't know what to pray. You think, God, I don't know what we're going to pray. Should you heal him or take him to glory? Or God, I don't know what I should pray about this job. I'm not quite sure. Life is tough. Uh, I've lost some friends. Uh, You know, my best friend's not talking to me any longer. And you groan and, and you agonize. The Bible says this, the Holy Spirit helps us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. You ever been there? Oh, just God. You sit quietly, you've got your Bible out, and you, you can't open your mouth. You're not quite sure what to pray. 
God says at those times, if you're agonizing and groaning, just trust that the Holy Spirit will take what you need to say to God and address it to the Father on your behalf. Let me come to the end. I was uh, quite moved by a story I heard uh, many years ago now, following the uh, terrible uh, massacres in Rwanda. Uh, some of you remember that. It was a civil war, a terrible killing and, uh, and massacres. People who once were living together started to kill one another. And George Gittos, a, uh, a non-Christian photojournalist, was with the United Nations medical team in Rwanda trying to provide relief to people. And he was also taking photographs to report back to the rest of the world what was happening. And uh, he describes this memorable incident, and we'll have the photo of, uh, of a painting he, he drew called The Preacher on the screen. You can see that there, hopefully. He said, it, this is what he wrote. It was horrific. We saw thousands of men and ch- women and children killed before our eyes. We were going in and getting out the wounded people as the people were macheting and shooting and killing. Suddenly there was this guy standing in the middle of the people who were dying all around him. This is this, pr- this guy he calls the preacher in his yellow coat. He stood out amongst everyone else. Said he, he would just keep, kept giving this sermon in one of these beautiful, melodious African voices, mingling English and French and Rwandan, quoting sections of the New Testament, those bits which give hope, passages to do with the resurrection. And Gideos took a photograph of this man called the preacher, but he said, I don't know if he survived or not. We had to move on. I don't know if he li- died or, or lived on. But he said, the preacher represents what I think religion should do, raise people up, make people feel human and spiritually alive, and give them courage and faith. And once the medical team could offer nothing, despite all their skills and technology, but with the risen Christ, there was hope for eternity. And so when we're on our tiptoes, looking forward to the coming again of Jesus, creation is perfected, you are perfected, new body, new heart and soul, now perfected like Jesus, and you're on your toes, you need to remember your eternity is secure. He goes on to say, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, have been called according to his purpose, even through COVID. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's making us like Jesus, no matter what we go through, if we trust in him, he's making us like Jesus that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. He declares us right with him. Those he justified, he also glorified. You're on your tiptoes looking forward to that day, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you are secure for eternity. Jeff Greenup is a, a gentleman who's 75 years of age, and this afternoon he went to be with Jesus. And uh, earlier this week, he wrote on Facebook this following thing. Uh, he has, has had ongoing heart issues, and he tried to stay away from church in situations as not to get COVID. When you hear someone died because they had pre-existing conditions, he's one of them. His wife also has COVID, but she's still alive. But he ended up in hospital, and he put this on Facebook. Very courageous of him. I'm in Liverpool Hospital, ICU, and admitted with covid but it has worsened my heart failure and I'm on full oxygen support, he says. My prognosis is not good. I spoke to him on Wednesday. He said, I I may have a day, I may have a week. We just don't know, but I don't have long. He writes, as a committed Christian, I'm at peace knowing Christ will sustain me and take me in his timing. Pray for God's will to be done 
and pray for Helen, which is his wife, for her well-being, and he asked for prayer for his family. Just one more thing, he said. One last opportunity to encourage people to look at Jesus. For those who are not believers, please get to know him. Take care with your physical and your spiritual selves. Look after your body, but look after your spiritual life as well. Friends, there will come a day when all will be made right. New heavens, new earth. We are perfected like Jesus. Until that moment, we're on our toes, living for Jesus with one eye on his second coming. Spending our time, our money, our gifts to bring glory to him. We pray. Lord God, we thank you that firstly our eternity is secure because of the loving work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. Thank you, God, that you love us and care for us. Thank you, God, that you're a, a suffering God. You understand what it means to, to suffer, to, to weep, to be beaten, to be crucified. You are not a distant God. You are not an aloof God, but you're a God who is for us and with us and has made salvation possible to us. And God, we thank you that uh, we look forward to the final day, the day of resurrection with new bodies, cleansed hearts and souls, spending eternity with you. And in the meantime, we ask for faith and courage and strength to keep centering our lives on Christ and his goodness for us. We pray it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.